0: Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth interactive study of the Word of God. I'm glad you joined us today. We've got a challenging topic, some challenging passages about death. Maybe someone says, "I don't understand what that text is saying." This series on life, death, resurrection, and eternal life has been such a blessing. And if you've missed any, go to our website, hopetv.org/hopess. You can watch the entire series. But we're going to challenge. Look at some challenging passages today that uh, we're praying the Holy Spirit would make clear so that we can rejoice in our hope in Jesus. Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, and welcome to the team. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm looking forward. I prayed about this series and about this particular study, and I know the Holy Spirit's going to bless us. So, glad you're here. You're looking as beautiful as ever, (laughs) and you look like the world, and that's Mm -hmm. awesome, because Hope Sabbath School members are all around the world, and we're glad you're one of them wherever you're joining us from today. We've also got some remote team members joining us. Nicholas, good to have you back from Georgia. We're glad you're here with us today. And Shayna from Maine, Shayna, glad you're here. And Tricia Lee from Virginia, Trisha Lee, great to have you with us today. And uh, we're so thankful for our remote team members who can also join. And do you notice that we're uh, we're getting a lot of. Uh We're expanding, aren't we? Uh, That's great, (laughs) and we're glad that you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family wherever you are in the world. Before I read the emails, though, we've got a special gift for this series. It's a digital book called The Story of Jesus. I'm excited to share that with you as a free gift from Hope Sabbath School. It focuses particularly on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and His gift of eternal life to each one of us. And you can get a free copy of the story of Jesus by going to our website, hopetv.org, slash, You've memorized that by now. Click on the free gift button in the middle of the screen. I know that that would be a blessing. Uh, right now, some emails though from folks around the world. Christine writing from Australia. Anyone here been to Australia? <laughs> yes, Travis. I know you've been. I should raise my hand too. It's a big and beautiful land. And Christine says, "I appreciate the Bible knowledge of the Hope Sabbath School team. Amen. Plus, I the experience of getting to know God and walking daily with Him." Amen. Isn't that beautiful. Yeah. We're That's- so happy. This program is not just about information. It's about transformation, thanks, isn't it? Amen. And that's beautiful, learning to walk with God daily. All the team members are dedicated individually and make up a beautiful body of Christ, mm-hmm. thanks to each one of the team. And we say, amen. Amen, amen, right? And, Christine, thanks for writing to us from Australia. Here's a note from Ruth in the United States. Ruth writes and says I watch Hope Sabbath School every Friday evening. It's a great way to start the Sabbath. Maybe that's why it's called Hope
1: Sabbath Sabbath School.
0: (laughs) Although I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist church member, as a child, my family often attended the local Adventist church. I discovered your program when I did an Internet search for Sabbath." People are searching and they're wondering, aren't they? The Bible teaches, remember the Sabbath day. They type in Sabbath, she found Hope Sabbath School. I really enjoy the Scripture songs and have come to recognize the various team members. I'm so glad that you're including some members remotely. Well, we are too, and Nicholas and Shana and Tricia are with us remotely. But I just want to say, Christine, uh, Ruth, excuse me, if you're watching right now, we're going to give you a wave. So everybody, mm-hmm. said they're getting to Ruth's, getting to know you all, and we're glad that you're part of our family, Ruth. Thanks so much for writing to us. Here's a note from a uh, donor in California, and you know we don't read names and focus on people, but we do want to say thank you, because we are a donor-supported ministry, and uh, thanks for being part of the miracle. Donor writes from California and says, "...I received a special blessing from the Lord, and I felt that a thank offering should be made." Amen. Amen. Is that a good idea?
2: Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's giving uh, freely we've received, right? It's giving out of a thankful heart. Mm -hmm. Didn't Jesus say it's more blessed to give? To uh-huh. than to receive. Yeah. So, this donor's saying, I just wanted to give a thank-offering to the Lord. So, I started thinking, which would be the best organization that this offering should be dedicated to? And I was impressed, it was Hope Sabbath School. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Please accept this gift to support the ministry, and a donation of $100 to Amen. support Amen. Hope Sabbath Amen. School. You know, that that's a precious gift, because it clearly came from your heart, and I would invite any of you to say, I want to be part of this miracle, sharing the Gospel with the world. You can go to our website, hopetv.org, slash, click on the Donate button, and say, I want to be a part, an impact partner in what God's doing around the world. Thank you for your support. One last note from Sandra in St. Lucia. That's in the Caribbean, right? Hi, Hope Sabbath School members. Mm-hmm. No, oh, no. Sandra got the wave. <laughs> Thank God my family and I have been watching Hope Sabbath School since the health pandemic started. We're indeed now part of the Hope family.
3: Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: We're blessed to be a part of this great ministry. May God bless you all as you continue to share the gospel, as many lives are being touched. And it says, greetings to Jason. Get the wave, Jason. <laughs> Travis, oh, get the wave, Travis. And Shayna, well, Shayna, you're remote. I don't know if we can put Shayna on the screen, but Shayna's giving a wave over there, too. Shayna. there we are. She got a wave. Uh, but actually, all of you are loved, just in case you were feeling a little sad. <laughs> yeah. God bless you from the island of St. Lucia. Well, I just want you to know it means a lot to us to hear from you. Uh, we're, we're so excited to see how it's God's blessing your life. So write to us at SSHOpe at HopeTV.org. But right now, we need you to sing our theme song from the words of Jesus in Revelation 1, where He says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm um, He who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. But not only is He alive, He has the keys
3: eaten,
0: of the grave, Hades, and of death. And that's our blessed hope. So let's sing it together.
3: Not be afraid,
0: I am the first and the last, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, Amen, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and who is to come? The Almighty, the Almighty. pray together. Father in Heaven, we thank You that Your Holy Spirit will guide us. Jesus, You promised the Spirit would come and guide us into all truth, so guide us as we study, yes, some challenging passages about death, because we've heard so clearly what Jesus taught and the apostles taught, but we want to look at these passages today and ask Your Holy Spirit to bring light to us yes. that we may rejoice in the hope we have in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we've chosen five difficult passages. You said, Derek, why don't we just leave them out? Well, they're in the Bible, so we ought to wrestle with them. But I would say a principle in studying the Bible is study the simple passages and study the passages line upon line, precept upon precept, and you'll get a clear picture. But then you say, Derek, this seems to be a little contradictory to the theme of Scripture. So... We're going to look at them today and pray for God's guidance, and we're glad you're with us. Hope you have your Bible with you. We're going first to Luke, chapter 16. And, Jason, it's a a parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And what I'd like, uh, Jason, for you to do is read the entire passage, and then I'm going to ask some questions of the team, and I hope you're joining
1: with us. You'll answer some questions, too. Right, I have the New King James Version here, and this is in Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And it says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was, that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead." Mm. So, here's a story. By the way, I have
0: a red-letter edition, and all the words are in red. So, Jesus is sharing this story, Mm -hmm. but what what elements do you see in this story that make it very clear that this story should not be taken literally? Mm -hmm. Anybody, let's start one point at a time Harold Abraham's bosom no All right so to... if all of the redeemed end up in Abraham's bosom <laughs> that that can't be literal in fact there's nowhere else in scripture that talks about when we die we go to Abraham's bosom right mm-hmm. so that's one uh, one principle one key uh, what would you say point that this isn't literal Shayna
4: Yes and the other point that he's asking for Lazarus to just dip his finger in water and reach across and, and cool his tongue so that he 's relieved from his torment that 's not biblical either
0: it 's not biblical and it doesn 't make any sense does it uh, that 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 a place of the redeemed and the pace, place of the lost would be so close um, can you imagine if you had a brother or a sister or a loved one or friend and, and they were calling across to you what kind of joyful eternal life would that be mm-hmm. and yet the Bible says it 's going to be a place where there 's no Uh, where righteousness dwells, right? So, we can't take that literally either. Uh, Jason?
3: It's interesting to see when you read the further uh, stories, before this story, it's in the stream of uh, parables. So, it seems like Jesus trying to prove a point about this situation.
0: Some have suggested this was a contemporary parable, Mm -hmm. and the way they would have expected it to be, the rich man would go to Abraham's bosom, bosom, if you're using the language, and the poor beggar who's got sores would obviously, well, he's Cursed of God. Right, right. This would be their understanding. So he's going to go to the to the place of the lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, some other things that you say, this this just can't be literal.
5: Um, one of uh, the verses that talks about the rich man talking about um, burning in this eternal flame, and that's also something that is not uh, biblical, because we've understood that when the dead, when there is a final um, death, that it will be um, an immediate eternal death.
0: Mm-hmm. Consumed them. Consumed. We actually study about that in an upcoming study right. about about this whole idea of hellfire and where it comes from and so on. But again, we've got this situation. Can you imagine if you were part of the redeemed and you're all huddled in Abraham's bosom, <laughs> that you could reach across and put a little water on someone's tongue? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So. If this is not a literal story, and I, this is actually one question, Brittany, I want to ask Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus, uh, why did you share this? Because some people find it very confusing, right? Yeah. What, are, what are the key lessons that, that, that Jesus would want us to draw? From this story
6: at the end, usually at the end of parables, Jesus explains the meaning. And at the end of this parable, in the very final verse, He says if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe a miracle of resurrection. And then not long after that, He raises Lazarus from the dead, and they want to kill him. Um, So it's kind of like Jesus is saying... By the way, that's
0: a biblical Lazarus, not the one in the story, right? that's right. Mm
6: -hmm. Um, But it's like Jesus is saying, trust the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't look for a miracle to hang your faith on. Mm. Put your faith in the Word of God.
0: I appreciate that. And maybe the resurrection is not just Lazarus, but his own resurrection,
1: Mm -hmm. right? Right? They still
0: won't believe. Uh, Jason?
1: Yes, so, uh, Jason referenced earlier about that these are parables, and, and in this chapter earlier there's also a parable about a rich man. So, Jesus is kind of sharing here that the people's thinking about wealth and where you end up in the end may not be the same as what God's kingdom is. Right. So, so again, what are
0: the key lessons? Uh, I think there's one key lesson here, for sure, that we need to catch, Shana?
4: Something that stands out to me very blatantly um, is the responsibility or the role that this rich man should have. It said that Lazarus stood outside of his gate or he sat outside of his gate and and he was there and he did nothing to help him. And so what would be our responsibility as individuals who have more wealth or who have um, more earthly goods than, than others? Jesus? has instructed us to look out for one another, to look out for the, mm-hmm. the poor and the widows and the less fortunate. And so, um, I think one of the main points in this, in this parable, too, is, is how do we treat our goods sure. um, on this earth here, too.
0: And, th- and obviously, that's not talking about how we earn salvation, right? right. It's, it's, it's uh, an evidence of a living connection with our Savior, yes. uh, Tricia Lee and then Nicholas
7: um the the rich man who's being tormented in the story makes a request that uh, a message goes to his relatives to warn them not to end up with the same you know in the same place that he is and the point that i understand from the story is that when the when it says you have moses and the prophets in essence you have the scriptures you have what they wrote what they told you you have the bible and if you won't believe the Bible, you won't believe a, a, a miracle of someone coming back or, you know, to, to warn you. And I think that's the main point. Jesus is using a story and using um, a scenario that people might, uh, might relate to at the time. But the point he's trying to tell them is that if you don't believe the scriptures, the word of God, um, there's not a better miracle that I have for you. There's nothing more, you know, important than the written revelation of, of and and the living revelation of 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 the word and so he's trying to get them to think about the importance of the written word um, and of course his life as a living word and that that doesn't trump even something as you know miraculous or, or supposedly as a being coming back to visit you, and I think that, to me, is the main point here.
0: All right. Uh, I, I wish you could see our team, because almost everyone has his or her hand raised. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot here, but, uh, Nicholas, I want to take your comment there in Georgia.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that this can also symbolize, some, some in a way, how the rich man parallels the Pharisees and the religious leaders at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a lot of uh, riches and spiritual blessings, and they also had a lot of spiritual food to eat. Uh, obviously, they have all of Moses and the prophets, which you know, Jesus alludes to later. While a lot of the people that they looked down upon only had crumbs of knowledge about who mm-hmm. uh, Jesus was or what the Bible said. And they would have seen themselves as the children of Abraham, of Moses and the prophets, who would have gone to Abraham's bosom and expected that reward based off of their lineage. But instead, you know, this is given to, to this beggar who is actually seeking that. And I think Christ's point here to the Pharisees is that their lineage was not determined based off of them just being descendants of Abraham, rich in spiritual blessings, and having a lot of spiritual food to eat, but that they needed to listen to what Moses and the prophets said. Mm. And um, I think that's one of the points that he's making is, you know, even the people who pay attention to just the little crumbs of information that they receive, you know, they are able to, you know, see this experience later on, while this person who has you know had everything going for him, you know even a dead man coming back to life wouldn't have changed his mind or wouldn't change the mind of his family
0: mm. that's that 's a tragic thing. There is one verse, and we 've got to move on to 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 look at a real lazarus that 's why I mentioned was it the biblical Lazarus you were talking about, which is so much more clear yeah. but but a key verse there is that once you die, you can't pass from one place to the other. There is a gulf between. So the idea, well, maybe after I die, I'll get things sorted out with God, it doesn't work that way, okay? So if we need to decide, you're talking about how the rich man should live or how the beggar should live, it's the same. We should all trust in God and His provision. Mm -hmm. But, Harold, I want you to take us to John 11, if you would, because that's a story about a a real figure named Lazarus, actually one of the followers of Jesus, along with His two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mm -hmm. And, and this is so clear. If I just had one chapter about life, death, resurrection, and eternal life, it's John chapter 11. In fact, I challenge you while we make our way through all of these difficult passages to just read John chapter 11 because it has life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. But uh, if you could just read verses 11 through 14, this is a, a true character, a, a real person named Lazarus of Bethany. Yes
9: and I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it reads, These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead.
0: So, you've got Lazarus. Jesus says he's sleeping. So, it doesn't say anything about Abraham's bosom. It doesn't say anything about he could call over to someone else, right? Uh, Let's continue the story, Tricia Lee, if you could read verses 23 to 27. Again, I wish in your home you'd read the whole chapter later today, but we're just taking some pieces which give us the teaching of Jesus about death. Tricia Lee?
7: Reading from the New King James Version. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who
0: is to come into the world. So, what do you think about Martha's theology, Brittany? Did
6: she have, did she understand clearly the teaching of Jesus? Yeah, she obviously had been taught from Jesus previously, or from the prophets or the teachers of that day that were teaching from the scriptures, telling her that yes, there is a resurrection, and our hope is in that resurrection at the last day.
0: And that's what, exactly what Jesus says, right, in John six verse forty. I think I will raise them up at the last day. So she was correct. Now Jesus said, well, I've got a special surprise for you. <laughs> yes. I'm going to raise your brother up right. Now, uh, and let's look at that part of the story. Nicholas, could you read for us at the end of John 11, verses 38 to 44?
8: Absolutely. I will be reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead four days jesus said to her did i not say to you that i that if you believe you would see the glory of god then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and jesus lifted up his eyes and said father i thank you that you have heard me and i know that you always hear me but because of the people who are standing by i said this that they may believe that you sent me now when he had said these things he cried with a loud voice Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped up with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him, and let him go.
0: If you read the rest of the chapter, um, what is the testimony of Lazarus about his experience in death? Laurel, do you know? No? There's none. There's none. There is nothing, right. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I was talking with Abraham. By the way, mm-hmm. if when we die we sleep, Abraham is sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's, this parable can't be literal, right? right. He's sleeping mm-hmm. until the resurrection. Mm-hmm. David, Jesus says, is sleeping in the grave yep. till the resurrection. Right. So, the fact that he's silent about what happened during... How many days was he dead, do you remember? Four, Four. Four. Four, Four days. days. What does that tell us, Brittany?
6: That he's asleep. He doesn't know anything. Mm
0: -hmm. And then he hears Jesus call him, just like everyone who believed in Jesus' will in the first resurrection, Mm -hmm. and in the milliseconds it takes for the sound to reach that lifeless body, Mm. he is raised from the dead and hears the Master call. Isn't that amazing? You ought to get excited, (laughs)
1: because that's going to happen for our loved
0: ones who believed in Jesus, right?
1: Jason? And if he's been dead four days and up in heaven or somewhere, why would he still have grave clothes on after four days of his heavenly experience? He comes out in grave clothes, so he's just been in the same position that he was put into the tomb. Mm-hmm. So, this is
0: a really important. Think about someone who might say, Derek, I read this parable, and if heaven and hell are, are as close as this story says, I don't even want to be there. Mm-hmm. What would you say to her? I mean, that she could read that say, I don't want to be in that place. I, I have unsaved loved ones, and they're going to be crying out to me forever. Mm-hmm. What would you say, mm-hmm. Nisha?
5: Yeah, it, it's not true, um, the, it, it, that when you die, you sleep. There is no consciousness or awareness of, of what is going on, um, and it is not a symbol of a loving God. Like, that's just not biblical. Um, but there are other scriptures that do talk about where you will be and where your loved one Um, uh, or others might be, um, and to base it on that, that that is a parable. Mm.
0: So, again, key lesson from this story, listen to the Scriptures, Mm -hmm. because if you're wanting some supernatural sign, even if it comes, you won't believe. Listen Mm -hmm. to the clear teaching of the Scripture, and don't wait thinking that after you die, you can get things sorted out with Mm -hmm. God. Now is the time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to another passage. This one, I think, is a little um, easier, uh, if I can say that, Mm -hmm. though a lot of people uh, get confused with it. I'm going to ask Jason Lawson here if you'd read for us in Luke 23. We are here. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's dying, and he has an interchange with someone dying on a cross next to him. Luke 23, verses 39 to 43.
3: be my pleasure. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Bible says, Then one of the criminals who were hanging blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Verse 40. But the other asking rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 42. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise.
0: So this is an amazing story. Um, By the way, it sounds like there's one bad mouthed Mm. thief and one... Nice mouth thief, but <laughs> yeah. Mark fifteen thirty two says they both, both were cursing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think, Laurel? Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know for sure, but what do you think might have caused this one thief to change his mind and actually rebuke the other thief who's still blaspheming? What, what might he have heard uh, there, hung on a cross next to Jesus, that changed his mind?
10: Maybe, I don't know what his life was like before, maybe he had already previously had heard things about Jesus and then seeing Him on the cross, maybe the realization occurred to Him.
0: But he was blaspheming at first. Yes, yeah, right? what, what, might, Brittany, what might he have heard? Oh, well, I've got lots of other hands raised, so <laughs> let's see where we go with this. Well,
6: one of the previous things that Jesus said was, Father, forgive mm-hmm. them, for they do not know what they're doing. Ah, so I, instead of um, Jesus cursing the people who were crucifying right. him, he actually asked God to forgive them. So he yeah. might have saw that, and it could have melted his heart. Or like, yeah. wow, why would he want to forgive these people who Several are
0: Several of them? our remote team members had <laughs> their hands raised, and they're nodding, now like <laughs> yes he, he heard that we know he heard it because yeah. he was right next to Jesus yep. right. father forgive yeah. them mm. maybe he turned and looked at the thieves and uh, the mm. religious leaders who were saying if you're the Christ save yourself right, right. Yeah. Mm. father forgive yeah. them and something happens mm. and as we read the thief the, we call him the penitent or the repentant thief right. turns to Jesus and says what Remember What's the first word in your, do you, how does it read in your Bible? Lord. 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 What does that tell you, uh, he, uh, Kenneth? What does that tell you? Uh, back to this, we, we call it, we have a word in, in, in Christianity, conversion, a right. change of heart. Yep. What, what does that tell you, Kenneth?
2: He calls Jesus Lord. It, it means that now he has given himself mm-hmm. No, because you can't call someone who you don't claim to be owning you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, earlier on he was telling, don't you even fear God? Right. This man has done nothing, nothing so wrong. now he recognized who he
0: is. Mm. Right, right. And called him Lord, yes. right. called him Lord. Lord, remember me right. when you come in your kingdom, yeah. mm. which may tie back to what Laurel said. He may have heard some things mm. about mm. Jesus and the kingdom, right. uh, but he. Put a deaf ear, we say, he ignored it, and now he's dying, right? And Jesus turns to him and says, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, where we put the punctuation, Mm -hmm. by the way, there's no punctuation in the original text. So where we put that will determine our understanding. Mm -hmm. Some sincere Christians say, I say to you, comma, Today you'll be with me in paradise and so people get the idea that when we die we immediately go to paradise. Mm-hmm. But but what if it's I say to you today mm-hmm. with all of the things happening around you and you're facing death, you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. Does that change our understanding of what happens when you mm-hmm. die and when you eventually get to paradise? Yeah. Uh, Nicholas? Yes,
8: I think I think it makes more sense that he is saying this to him today, because especially considering the situation that the thief on the cross is, he's in desperate need of salvation right then. Like, he can't wait. And I think that it would be tempting for him to think, I have to change myself before Jesus will accept me, Mm. who I am. And I think that, like we were saying earlier, the words of forgiveness really touched him, because this is a man who has done, you know, something very wrong to deserve this death that he's now receiving, And so i think the promise that comes to him today that christ can even save him in the midst of his own death and save him in you know the harshest time of judgment for this man Mm -hmm. at this man's lowest low christ can save him that day Mm -hmm. and i think it just it makes a lot more sense with the context of the rest of the bible that jesus specifically wants to let him know that he has the assurance of salvation at that very
0: moment. Mm. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much, Nicholas, and they will come to you in a minute, Tricia Lee, but I was thinking while he was sharing, at this very day, I'm giving you the assurance, reminded me of what he said to Zacchaeus, yeah. today yeah. salvation yeah. has come, Amen. right, Amen. to this house, today. Uh, Tricia Lee?
7: Even if we're confused about the punctuation and where the comma goes, um, we know that Jesus wasn't in heaven that very same day. Mm-hmm. If you keep reading, you go to John, chapter 20, We can read read that for us, Tricia Lee.
0: Yeah, let's go there. John chapter 20, verse 17. All right, let's see what the Word of God says. Mm -hmm. All right.
7: This is the New King James Version. Jesus said to her, "Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them." I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, and to my God and your God. Um, and this is Jesus telling uh, Mary, who comes to the tomb, you know, he, they're having this encounter after He's resurrected, that He hasn't yet gone to the Father. Okay, the father so father.
0: so He speaks to the thief on the preparation day, what we call Friday. Yeah. He rests the in the tomb on Sabbath, right? And the disciples rested, it says, according to the commandment. And on the first day of the week, we call that Sunday, Mm -hmm. right? He says, I've not yet ascended to my Father. So, Tricia Lee, thanks for pointing that sequence out and, and giving the context. Jesus is speaking to Mary, who's come to the tomb. Shana?
4: Something else that comes to mind, too, is considering all that Jesus went through leading right up to his resurrection, the agony and the pain that he was going through, why would he ask God to relieve him of this burden if he was gonna be going back to God in in the time of death? Or um, even in Matthew 26, verse 53, during his trial, um, he says, thinkest thou not that I cannot pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? And so why would he you know, be telling the, the Pharisees and the people prosecuting him that I can ask God to, to send angels to, to relieve me of this time if, if in his death he was going to be going right back there. It doesn't make sense. Mm. So this, this shows us that, that when he was dead, he was sleeping, mm. as, as the Bible says.
0: I think the important point here, and I appreciated what Nicholas pointed out here, in the time when things look the worst, I'm going to give you the assurance of salvation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that today, that you will be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, back to the idea why he couldn't do anything, couldn't be baptized. Mm -hmm. The Bible says baptism is a confession of our faith in Jesus. He couldn't do any kind of uh, missionary work Mm -hmm. uh, except calling Him Lord. That was missionary work, I guess. Uh, How does that reinforce the whole way in which we're saved, Brittany? Because He can't do anything except cry out to the Savior.
6: Yeah, it just shows that we're saved by grace through faith. So, he put his faith in Jesus, and Jesus was able to take his, his life, his, his evil life, and cleanse him of all of his sins and give him that righteous life that Jesus had.
0: So, we got to move to another passage, but let's not rush past this. S- Jesus could say to you, Today, Amen. Amen. you have the assurance of salvation because yes. you've trusted me. Amen? Amen? He can tell you that today. And we've learned, that actually, your eternal life begins, right then? <laughs> because yes. it's the fullness of life. Amen. Well, we've got to go on to the Apostle Paul to our third of, of passage. We're looking at five challenging passages. We've, we've concluded that this parable about a rich man and Lazarus is not literal, that if we want a clear understanding from the teaching of Jesus, go to John 11, which speaks about a real person named Lazarus, Mm -hmm. we've we've discovered from the words of Jesus to the thief on the cross that He's giving the the assurance today... He's giving the assurance today that He... When will He be with Him in Paradise? Well, He's going to die today, but when Christ returns in glory, the dead in Christ will rise. And that that thief's going to be there, (laughs) and people are going to say, how in the world did you get here? (laughs) And he'll say, the same way you did, by God's (laughs) grace, right? But let's look at another passage in Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 21 to 24, and I'm going to ask Laurel if you'd read that for us. You might say, Derek, why are we looking at all the difficult passages? Well. Look at the whole series we've got on life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. The Bible has clear teaching, but we're being honest and saying, these are challenging. Let's look at them. Here's one where Paul talks about wanting to depart and be with the Lord, and let's see if we can understand what he's saying.
10: I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful label for me and I do not know which to choose but I am hard pressed from both directions having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much better yet to remain is to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake
0: mm-hmm. so to depart and be with Christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you could understand from that that he's saying, I want something to float out, right? Some kind of <laughs> spiritual entity, because his body's not going to go, and and to be with Christ, or... What, what do you think he means, Jason, by that?
1: Well, depart would mean to sleep, to, to, to die, die? Okay. but then his next conscious thought, his next conscious experience would be the resurrection and eternal life with Christ. Okay, so he's saying, you know, to go through all the sin and
0: sickness and hardship of this life, part of me says, I'd be happy to just fall asleep tonight yeah. and not wake up until the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you met someone they say, uh, I just kind of like to go to sleep? Is there anything wrong with that, do you no. think? No. no,
3: no.
0: To say, I wish my next waking moment would be to see Jesus face to face? Brittany, what do you think?
6: I was just going to say, the only um, thing that might be wrong with that is if God has more of your life yet to live and you're just depressed and, and you're wanting to give up. Mm. Um, but if, if you're at the end of your life and you're tired and you just want to sleep in Jesus, then, you know, I think God is like, yeah, that's, that's okay.
0: Because death has lost its sting, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, we have some dear friends. Her mother was, I think, 103. Mm. She lived a life for Jesus. though. She said, I just want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. and the next thing I know, I'll see my Savior," which is true, however long that sleep of death lasts. Well, let's see when Paul... Let's go to Paul, let him be his own interpreter. Mm -hmm. Let's go to 2 Timothy, chapter 4. And, Nisha, if you could read for 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Let's see when Paul expected he would be with Christ, okay?
5: And I'll read from the New King James Version. "...I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing."
0: What's the that day? Anybody? What's the that day?
10: The second coming. The
0: glorious return of Jesus, right? Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with 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 me, me, right? So He comes, and He says, on that day... Yes. That's when I'll be with Christ. Yes. But if I fall asleep in death, the next day is that day, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Amen. Next conscious day is that day. Yes. Uh, But I I, I appreciate, Brittany, what you said. And Paul says the same thing God, if you've still got some work for me to do, I don't want to just sit around hoping I'll go to sleep and never wake up. That could be a chronic depression, right? Mm -hmm. But but I'm not afraid to die. That would be wonderful if my next conscious moment was that glorious day when I get the crown, right, and, yeah. and all those who love is appearing. Amen. But if I've got work to do, um, I'm going to continue to do it. Amen. We're going to go to another passage uh, in 1 Peter, chapter 3, and, Kenneth, I'm going to ask if you would read that for us, verse 18. 1 Peter, chapter 3, and verse 18. And I'll be reading
2: from the New James Version, and it reads, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Amen.
0: So, Jesus dies. According to the Scripture, Tricia Lee, and I'm going to have you read the next two verses in a minute, but maybe you could answer this question first. According to Jesus' teaching Himself What is his condition when he dies? I mean, I I think I need to repeat the question. Okay, so Jesus, the text says, he died. He died for our sins, right? Mm -hmm. What is his condition in death, according to the teaching of Jesus himself? He's asleep. That's right. (laughs) It's not a complicated (laughs) answer, is it? (laughs) When Lazarus died, he said, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, Sleep. mm-hmm. so Jesus is sleeping, and just like there's no conscious thought when Lazarus come back, there's no testimony to give. Yeah. Jesus is sleeping in the grave. That sounds pretty com- uh, pretty simple, but Tricia Lee, if you read on the next two verses, uh, this is where uh, the text could be a little confusing. We're in, still in First uh, Peter three, verses nineteen and twenty.
7: Reading from the New King James Version. By whom also He went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long suffering waited, in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water.
0: Okay, so go back to verse 19, by whom. Who's the by whom referring back to? Is it saying that Christ, when He died, in death went and preached to some spirits, disembodied spirits, in a prison somewhere, Um, who's the by whom also He went? Is that talking about Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. 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 So, He says, even though Jesus died, He's still alive in the Spirit. In other words, He, too, has the assurance of eternal life through faith in the Father, right? Because in his humanity, he's perfectly trusting in God's provision, right? But by whom? That is, by the Spirit. Somebody, the Spirit, preached to the spirits in prison. What could that be talking about? And it also talks about the flood. Anybody?
9: Harold? Well, when we are committing sin, actually, we are in prison. We are prisoned. Actually, even Paul in Romans says... We become slaves too to whom we serve. Mm. If we serve sin and Satan, that's what we are become servants of, or prisoners of. And or if we serve Christ, we become slaves of Christ.
0: So who was it in the time of the flood that preached to those who were s- imprisoned to sin yep. by the Holy Spirit? No. No. Well, no. you yeah, <laughs> you all know the there's Noah. Uh, but uh, Shane, could you read for us? Peter himself tells us in Second. Uh, Peter, chapter 2, verse 5. He understood that this is not talking about uh, Christ in death preaching to spirits in prison like disembodied spirits. How does he describe the Spirit using someone to preach to those who were prisoners of sin during the time before the flood?
4: And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Mm-hmm.
0: So, who does the Holy Spirit use d- during the time before the flood? No, no. no. A prophet yeah.
3: mm-hmm.
0: named Noah, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that same Holy Spirit who was with Jesus in his ministry and in his death yeah. was with the prophet mm-hmm. Noah preaching. During the time right before the flood. Amen.
9: Yes. I just want to add because I know it says spirits. He that that by whom it speaks to spirits, and we have to look also at the Greek because I think the Greek word for that for spirits can also be representing humans as well. Sure. And we are like living spirits. I mean, at times the Bible uses that. Living term,
0: beings. Right? Living
9: beings. Yeah. Sure. But at times, like spirits like souls usually refers to like the being. So that's why we need to take into account that, the hermeneutics.
0: Mm. Noah was preaching to real people,
9: yeah. Or, yeah.
0: right? He wasn't spe- preaching to disembodied spirits, which we discovered actually is not a biblical idea. He's preaching to real people. Yep. And Jesus gave His life on what we call Good Friday, the preparation day, mm-hmm. yep. slept in the tomb. What was His conscious thought during that time of death? No conscious thought, rose again on the first day, not only showing His victory over death, but our victory in Him, right? We have one more passage to go to. Uh, This one's an unusual one, and I'm going to ask uh, Nicholas, if you read from the book of Revelation, chapter 6, kind of asking the same question that we asked about the parable in Luke 16. Is this literal? or is it symbolic, and what's it trying to tell us? Uh, Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11.
8: Yes, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Verse 9 says, When He opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until You judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed.
0: It kind of sounds literal, doesn't it? And They're given yeah. white robes, um, but we know that all the redeemed aren't in Abraham's bosom. Are they all under the altar? Um, what do you think, Jason?
1: Well, I think, look at where this is coming from, the Book of Revelation. The Book of Revelation is basically one long vision with a lot of imagery that is given to the Apostle John. And so, if you look at the context, or even here in chapter 6, talking about all these seals and all these images, there's a lot of uh, uh, language that is not literal, that is symbolic. And so, this makes sense that this would be a symbolic type of language.
0: All right, let's look at another symbol that's used uh, talking about crying out back in Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 4. Kenneth, if you could read back in Genesis 4. For those of you that are familiar with the Scriptures, this is talking about how Cain kills his brother Abel, right? And the Lord speaking. And Kenneth, how does your Bible read there in Genesis 4 and 9 and 10? I'm
2: reading from the New King James Version. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Mm.
0: So, <laughs> does blood cry? No. 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 W- again, we've, we've got this symbolic language. W- what, is, uh, what is the Lord saying to Cain?
9: Well, there's nothing hidden. I know what you did. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, right, the, evidence. the evidence is there.
0: I see the blood, and and the testimony is being given to me. Right. Of course, the Lord sees all yeah. things, right? Of, of what actually happened. So, yeah. again, I think uh, what Jason pointed out is really important, and that is this is a book of symbolism, yeah. Revelation, just like the symbolism of Abel's blood crying out. Mm-hmm. I may not take it literally. All the martyrs are not somehow stashed under a literal altar somewhere, but they are not forgotten, even though they are sleeping in debt, with the next conscious thought being the glorious return of Jesus and the crown of righteousness. They're not forgotten, and and, uh, the Lord hears that unspoken cry. How long will this go on Mm, until things are completed? Now, I'm going to give you some time to share, because uh, I know that we've looked at five difficult passages what is the most important lesson, there's no, no right or wrong answer, that the Holy Spirit is teaching you as you look at these difficult passages? What's the most important lesson you're, you've learned in our study today? And by the way, I wish you'd uh, send us an email, Hope TV, yeah, sshope at hopetv.org. What's the most important lesson you've learned? Because we prayed at the beginning the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Mm-hmm. So, let, let's start. Uh, Brittany, what's the lesson you learned? in our study. Well,
6: whenever we're studying the Bible, we can't just read one verse by itself and then take another verse from over here and stick the two together to make it sound what we want it to say. Mm. When we're studying the Bible, we need to look at all the verses on that topic, and it will, it's like a puzzle. We're putting the pieces together, and then we get the big picture, all right. and, and we get to see what is salvation, what is eternal life, what is death and we see the big picture and that helps us understand when there's a verse that seems to contradict that, how does that fit into this big picture? Um, and it, we'll find the, the truth as we study in that, that way.
0: Alright, that's, that's a good principle of Bible study. Nisha?
6: Um, and I, it's, I have uh, several friends
5: who focus on contradictions. They are also people mm. who have left there are Mm. people who are atheists, there are books, there are scholars who have focused on the contradictions in the Bible Mm. um, to say, to disclaim the whole Bible um, as as something being um, real. Mm. Uh, and, And, you know, you can make you know with with statistics it's the same thing you can make the narrative that you want to make by just pointing to the scriptures that you want to point to um but that is not what christ has asked us to do even christ's own example in the new testament was that he starts from the beginning and he works his way through the entire book to be able to prove himself to two disciples who had just um uh, who were just uh, alive at the time when he had just uh, come up from resurrection so he himself proves his proves His being by working His way through the Scriptures, as do we need to. Otherwise, we can always focus on the contradiction, but we're never going to get more clarity on anything.
0: And you know that same Jesus, He says, don't search the Scriptures to think that in them you'll find eternal life. These testify of me, Um, right? So the goal of all of our Bible study is to find Jesus and maybe take some questions with us. Mm. Well, I don't understand that, or why did you include that? Um, and the Lord will say, well, I don't know what He'll say. He may say it, it was a little too complicated for you to understand, but we'll have eternity to have those discussions. Shana?
4: And one of the most important things to remember while we're studying the scriptures, when we may come upon something that is confusing or, or may contradict the other parts of Scripture that, that you know, speak of God's love, is to remember God's heart. Um, to remember that this is a God of love who allowed this to be put in here, so mm-hmm. what could be the potential reason why He has this here? Mm-hmm. To remember that He loves us so much, and, and He gave us this book so that we would, be, we would be prepared to live in and be with Him forever. And so, always remember God's heart. Amen.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that's another principle, Tricia Lee. You want to add, there's no right or wrong answer, but we want to look at all of Scripture. We want to remember the character of God, as we're reading these passages, uh, Tricia Lee?
7: Yeah, I think about that, Shayna's comment about
0: what do we know about God and
7: who He's revealed Himself to be? And just thinking about the story of Lazarus and the beggar and, you know, eternal fire, we go right back to Genesis. From the very beginning, God never intended for humans to live forever in a state of sin. That was why there was a flaming sword. He sent, you know, Adam and Eve out. He didn't want them to eat from that tree and live forever in a state of sin. And when we remember these things it's like no god does not want us to live in sin forever whether it's being tormented in hell or or any of those these ideas we're going to study more about it but sometimes going back to those simple truths at the beginning like what do we know about god and what did he intend for us in a way you know the sleep of death is merciful he doesn't want us to continue on forever in that you know, state of, of of sin. And those things, like, what do we know about who God is, how He relates to us, what He intends for us, helps us to go to these difficult these difficult passages and say, there must be more. I've got to keep digging. Amen. What could be the reason for this?
0: Amen. And you know, one thing we started, and I'm going to come to Laurel for a final comment, we prayed what Jesus said in John 16:13 when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Amen. So, we need, when we're studying difficult passages, in fact, any of Scripture, we could look just for contradictions or for excuses. Uh, short takeaway, important lesson you've learned, Laurel.
10: Um, so, God, speaks in, like Jesus told parables, He uses symbols as we saw in Revelation. So, one of the things I think is important is when you read the Bible, you're able to distinguish what is a metaphor, what is literal. Mm -hmm. And so, understanding those two and the patterns in the Bible also help us understand life, death, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And
0: that's what Jesus wants to do for us by (laughs) His Holy Spirit. Yes, His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path when the Holy Spirit's guiding us, because otherwise we can get lost in darkness. Mm -hmm. And even the challenging passages, as we ask the Spirit to guide us and look at all of Scripture, will become plain. And if you've got any questions left, we'll ask our Savior Mm -hmm. when we get to the Kingdom. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, thank You that there is so much that is clear, and even through the difficult passages that Your Holy Spirit guides us, that we would know the most important truth is that Jesus wants us to be saved and with Him for eternity. May we rest in Your unfailing love today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. You say, whew, that was challenging. And, And by the way, don't just read the difficult passages. Read the simple ones. Go to John 11 and read the clear teaching of Jesus. And don't keep that truth to yourself. There's so much confusion around you. Take the precious truths of God's Word Share them with those around you and be a blessing to those around you.